Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good. Hey, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. I'm going to change it up and sit down this morning. I hope that doesn't throw you off too bad. Um, but we are, we are so excited to be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, the Emerge, Emerge 4 or 5 and this, this kid's salvation here, uh, let us never lose the wonder. I'm going to always use that phrase on us because I never want us to lose the wonder of a God showing up and doing what only God can do. Um, we can talk through this series and we can explain all of our good methodology, but apart from Jesus changing hearts, this is just a social club. Uh, and we recognize that, and so we want to give honor to the Lord for doing what only God could do. So let's give the Lord another round of applause this morning. <clears throat> so we are in week four out of five of our series called Open House, and we're looking at what does it mean to be Bridgewater Church, and what does it look like uh, really for us to walk in what we believe the identity God has given us as a church, and how do we uh, live out the commission that he has given us, which is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And um, we said there's a lot of different ways that we flesh that out, but everything we do, we want to filter back through that statement, which is our foundation. Everything we, we want to do is centered on, are we helping people look more like Jesus the more they go down uh, the road in this life or not? And so that was week one. We just kind of set uh, the foundation of the house, which is super important. Week two, uh, we said it was our porch, which is our Sunday morning services. Uh, we want it to be welcoming. We want it to be inviting. We want not dead deers hanging on the walls because, you know, I'm just kidding. We might have dead deers hanging on the walls. If you were here, you know what joke I'm talking about. That's fine if you missed it. Um, so what we're, we're looking at is really how do we create an inviting space where people want to come and hear the message of Jesus because we believe we're called to share the gospel with our communities and with your, your communities and with uh, your coworkers and, and just to be a light to um, everybody around us. But we said it doesn't end there, that if you left all your friends on the porch, you'd be a bad friend. And so we create and have small groups from our kids' ministry to our middle school students or high school students to you as an adult. And so we believe small groups are where those deep relationships that we all crave and long for happen. And we believe that God does great things in those moments and including having a good time and a whole lot of fun. But uh, they're centered around prayer, they're centered around developing community and relationships, um, and centered around digging into the word and what it means for uh, our lives as we go through that. Uh, so this week, what we're going to talk about is actually a, a room that goes beyond the living room, because we believe even there isn't the end of it. So I want to tell you a little bit about um, growing up in high school for me. I had some, I had probably four or five really, really close friends. Um, we were inseparable. I mean, you just, you couldn't get us apart. We would skip classes to be in classes with each other. Like, just, you, the teachers hated us, because we just, we were a menace. We really were. Um, the Lord has since convicted me of being a menace in high school, but I was, and it's fine. Uh, I, I recognize that, and the Lord was gracious. However, uh, what, what happened as we got older and we started driving is we just were always at each other's house, and I, I was blessed to live in a pretty good-sized house in high school with a pool and a hot tub and a basketball court, and so naturally my house was the landing spot, but I also worked uh, a job, and so I would come home from work, and pretty much every night there would be one of my friends sitting on my couch eating my cereal, watching my TV uninvited. Just didn't even invite them, and there they were in my house all the time. It was totally normal to walk into my bedroom to go to bed, and there was a friend sleeping on the futon in my bedroom, uninvited, there he was, right? It just became kind of the rhythm of the last few years of high school for us. Um, but one of my friends, Tim, had a unique gift for a teenage boy, uh, which you don't hear of very often, which is he loved to cook. Uh, he was a great cook, and, he had, and it wasn't toaster strudels. It was real food, um, and, and he just loved to cook. So I would come home all the time, and there would be Tim in my kitchen cooking me food and cooking all the other guys' food as they would show up. And um, it was interesting, as the years went on, two years of this, that he would cook. I never once heard him complain in two years. 
He just loved to go be in the kitchen, making food for everybody, and serve. Now, we had a house rule that if he cooked, nobody, you know, everybody else had to clean. But what I realized in high school was that there was a guy who found a gifting and something he loved that he served almost every night. It was crazy how often he would cook. Like, whoever's house we were at, the mom was like, I love it when Tim comes because then I don't have to cook, right? But it was a place of gifting that caused him to serve out of great joy that it never felt like a burden. See, what Tim modeled for me is what I believe to be true and what we desire to be true here at Bridgewater Church is that there's a place for each one of us to use the gifting that God has given us that doesn't feel like a burden, it doesn't feel like a weight, but it feels like a joy to be able to serve each other and to serve the Lord in that. So we have a figurative kitchen at Bridgewater Church, which is simply that we, we have an environment where we want everybody to be able to serve. Now, the reason why we think this is so important is because um, it's part of the process of becoming more like Jesus. To become like Jesus is to be one who serves, and so that's why we have all these opportunities. But I want you to read this for yourself, um, because the disciples who were learning how to follow Jesus were, were kind of mixed up in what it meant to follow Jesus, because they thought, if I follow Jesus, he does something great, and I get bestowed greatness on me. And so there's basically this argument of greatness that they're going through on what it means to be great as a follower of Jesus. And so Jesus answers in Mark and kind of turns them up on uh, top of their head here. Mark chapter 10, verse 43, he says this, "'Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant.'" And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So Jesus turns this greatness thing upside down on its head because if they're talking about a figurative house, um, the disciples wanted the lazy boy with the massager and the heated seat and the dog that brings them snacks in full control of the TV remote, right? Like they wanted greatness. And Jesus says, no, 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 greatness in my house is the one sweeping the floor, cooking dinner, taking out the trash, changing the poopy diapers. That is greatness. And then he goes on to say why in verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you need to understand my example is one where I left heaven's throne. I left the King of Kings and Lord of Lords throne, and I came down as a human to serve to serve the least of these, to serve the outcast, to serve the downtrodden, to serve those who could never, ever uh, respond in likeness. And we're actually going to reflect on this and what Jesus means by as a ransom for many as we celebrate communion later on today. But what you see here is our benchmark. That in the body of Christ, our benchmark is Jesus. And so we, we, we know that a part of our DNA has to be service and not light service, not little service, but if we're going to follow Jesus, Jesus' service took him to the cross and ultimately to the grave. It wasn't a little bit. It was everything. He, he modeled for us what it means to give everything. So what we're going to talk about today is how do, you, how do you give out of that strength? How do you find that strength to serve the way Jesus has called us to serve and maybe understand some of your own giftedness as you do that? The Apostle Paul talking in 1 Corinthians was talking to a church about this because this church was kind of sideways and they were dealing with some weird stuff and um, some really bad theology and he kind of just kind of gets them back to the basics on, on things and they thought that they could run away with this weird spiritual ideas that 
just didn't line up with the character of God. So he brings them back, and one of the areas he brings them back in is this idea of the giftedness that the Spirit brings. And so we're going to spend our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, looking at this and what Paul would have to say to them and what we can learn from it today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to me, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, uh, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know uh, that when you were pagans, some how or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He says basically, uh, he kind of starts this off almost a little sarcastic, almost a little tongue-in-cheek, and says, listen, I don't, I don't want you to be ignorant about the things about the Spirit. You, at one point in your life, Corinthian church, were following pieces of block, like you literally were worshiping pieces of wood in these mute idols. So I, he's almost saying, you've missed it before. <laughs> I don't want you to miss it again. And then he says something so interesting here at the end. He says, uh, no one can speak by the Spirit uh, and say Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a few minutes before we get into giftedness to talk about the Holy Spirit because uh, maybe you're not new to church or you're new to church or maybe you've been around a church that doesn't really handle the conversation of the Holy Spirit very often. And I just want to explain it to you because that's the whole point of this chapter is that we would really understand what the Spirit does for us. And so um, God is three in one as, as Scripture has laid out his character and nature that he is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, um, trying to wrap our minds around how somebody is three in one is kind of like trying to explain uh, to a character that's lived in a two-dimensional world what it's like to live in a three-dimensional world, right? So it's like Super Mario, you know, where he's just bouncing into two dimension. It's trying to explain to Super Mario what real life is actually like. There's just not a huge grid for it. And in the same way, God is above us and beyond us. And so um, there's things about God that though we try to wrap our hands around it, he's just bigger and greater than we are. And that doesn't negate its truthfulness. It just reveals our lack of knowledge, right? So when I think about three-in-one Trinity, my brain just goes, uh, like, how does that work? It, It works. It's clearly explained in Scripture, um, and and it's how God has revealed himself to us. And so what you need to understand is that um, God's greatest desire in the cross and in um, reunification with man is is simply that, that we would be reunified with God. That was God's design in the garden, that we would be with him, serve with him, work the soil, so work our gifts in the soil. Sin happened, that broke, sends Jesus uh, to come pay for our sins. What is Jesus? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God's desire was to be with us. Well, he goes to the cross, opens the pathway for us to have right relationship with God, and then says, I'm going back to the Father. If you listen to Jesus' language as he talks about his departure, he says, I'm going to, the Father is going to send another one to be with you. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, what is that? It's not only God with us, it's God in us. See, God's greatest desire was for us to be with him, and so he put his spirit in us. Now, the the role of the spirit is that um, we would walk in righteousness, that we would know our sin and we would repent of it, that God would um, give us the ability to obey Jesus, which we wouldn't otherwise have. And according to this passage, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit revealing it to us, we would have no ability to know God. And so that's how important the Holy Spirit is. Sometimes he gets put as this weird force that you kind of, like this mystery you have to grasp. He is God. Everything that is true of the character of Jesus is true of the character of the Holy Spirit. Everything that is true of how Jesus acts and interacts is true of how the Spirit acts and interacts. He is God. 
Now, what Paul's going to go on to explain is that there's certain giftings that the Holy Spirit is going to give to uh, the believers. He says there's all these different gifts entrusted to us as believers to do one thing. And we're going to talk about what that is as we go. So go ahead and turn with me to verse uh, 4 there. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul says, listen, there's there's lots of different gifts that vary throughout the body, but it's the same God who brings them. And this is really important because the Corinthian believers hearing this um, would run to different gods to get different blessings. It was the same when I lived in Taiwan. I lived above the the, the God of the river. And then down the road was the God of the sky and the God of the this and the God of war. And so what you would, they would do, and they still do this in Taiwan, is they would run to this God for this particular gift or blessing. And so they'd go, if they needed a farmer needed rain, he would go to the territorial God and then the rain God to try to get a blessing. And, and that's what the Corinthian church was doing. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. All of these gifts come from the same God, and this is also important for us to understand because what you will begin to discover, and maybe you probably already know this to be true in your life, is that giftedness can create division where it was meant to create unity. So what happens in the church sometimes is that there's people with certain gifts who get separated as special or separated as significant from the body, and you can create kind of this football game mentality where there's a few gifted people in the game, and everybody else is spectators. And Paul says, no, 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 no. It's the same spirit. It's the same gift. There's no need for separation, just like in high school, right? Um, The athletics didn't always hang out with the chess players. The artists didn't always hang out with the skateboarders, right? There's just the separation of giftedness, and Paul says that that should not be true in the body. That should not be true in the church. Your giftedness does not make you more special than anybody else because it is simply that, a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. God bestowed it upon you out of his goodness and kindness. I want you to see a couple of these words out of here. He says, um, in all of them, in verse 6, in every one, and then in verse 7, in every one, he says it again, to each one. Now, when I read that, and then I look out at a lot of Christians, who really struggle to feel like they bring something to the table, who really struggle to feel value, who really struggle to feel like community could use them, who really struggle to feel like they offer greatness. And and the answer to that is right here. To each one who believes in Jesus, you have been given a manifestation or an expression of the Spirit for one purpose, the common good. That God has equipped you to do a work in the body for everybody's benefit, which is our one and only point today is simply this. All Christians are made by God to serve others. Another way we say that is the way we say it on our wall out there, which is, yeah, there you go. You know that one. Save people, serve people. Now, why, why are we talking about this today? Because this is an easy slide. It's an easy slide for, for churches and for individuals to begin to fade away from serving, to begin to say, you know what? I did my due diligence. I've done my part. It's somebody else's time. But, but we don't serve because the pastor asked you. We don't serve because the, the minister or the, the champion asked you. We serve because it's part of the maturing process of becoming like Jesus. We offer these opportunities because we know if you're going to follow Jesus, it means allowing the Spirit to use you to serve others because it's so key to the identity God 
has ingrained in us. That there's just no such thing as a sideline Christian. Let's keep reading as he unpacks in verse 8 more about the gifts of the Spirit. To the one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to other, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes to each of them just as he chooses. Now this is not an exhaustive list of the gifts, but here's, he's just kind of rambling off some of the gifts, and a lot of these gifts were ones that people thought uh, made them better than others, and he's saying, no, 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 it doesn't make you better, it's the same gift, and what's so interesting is how he finishes in verse 11 here, which is just as he determines, he distributes them. So we don't get to pick these, which is where uh, the giftedness and our talents can sometimes merge or sometimes diverge. Because um, what is true is that there's things that we're good at that we're just naturally gifted at, but they may not be the particular gift that the Spirit has given us. So, um, for example, one of the ones um, that is flushed out in my life is the gift of teaching. Hopefully you believe that to be true. If not, I'm sorry that somebody suckered you into coming this morning. Okay? Uh, but the gift of teaching is one that God has um, put on my life However, I've worked very hard for the last 10 years to grow in my communication. And so while it is a talent, it is also a gift. And I know it's a gift because if you've ever heard me tell a story, not on this pulpit, I stumble over my words all the time. If you hear me try to talk in public, is what comes out of my mouth. Like I just, I've tried to tell stories in other places and it just doesn't work, which is just to me a reminder that this is a gift that God has given me to use for his glory, for the common good. Now, it's not just one. There's several gifts that the Lord has given. So as you examine uh, what God might have given you, one of the ways you can look is your talent. What has God wired you to do? One of the ways you can look is what brings you joy. Um, That's often an indicator. But often, it's hard to tell right off the bat. There's some tests you can take, and sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're not. I think, and personally I've seen this to be true over 10 years of ministry, that the best way to, to figure it out is just to get up and start doing it. And so we actually have in front of you there a Next Steps card. So if you want to grab one of those in front of you, um, everybody grab one of those out in the seat back in front. Now here's our Next Step card. Sorry, front row. I don't have one either. We're in the same boat. You can, you can steal one from the friends behind you there. Um, so Next Steps is our way of creating a process for you to perhaps understand what you're gifted at, but also for you to walk in biblical obedience of following God to serve others. And so as you look down that list, you're going to see a bunch of things on there. You're going to see our guest services team. Our guest services team are great for really smiley, happy people. And you know what? If you don't really like people, but you like the front end of what cars look like, the parking lot is a great place for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a parking lot, guys, because you get to wave at the window and don't have to actually have a conversation. So that's great for all our introverts who want to serve. It's a great place to get started. Uh, If you love smiling people, man, come and meet Welcome Center. If you love connecting with new people, if that's just how you're wired, uh, our Welcome Center is a great place uh, to get connected and serve in a way that's super important to our culture. What what is our culture? That everyone would feel invited to come hear the message of Jesus. This is why it's so important. Our kids' ministry. Let's let's pause for a minute and just give a shout out to our kids' ministry. Those guys are awesome back there. Here's the deal, though. Y'all got a lot of kids, myself included. Uh, And one of the things that has been true nationally across um, churches is that since the return uh, post-COVID era of churches being closed, 
Um, all the children have come back, but not all of the children's workers have come back. Um, I spent some time in uh, Michigan with an 8,000 and a 5,000 person church, and they said the same exact thing to us. Uh, and, and so that wing doesn't happen unless we walk in our giftedness. And maybe your giftedness is changing poopy diapers. That's awesome. We got room for that too. Maybe you love teaching kids. That's awesome. We have an environment for that. Um, we want to make that environment as easy for you to jump back there and serve. So it's not the daunting thing that it used to be in 1980 to jump back there and serve and have to write all your own curriculum. We, we do a lot of that for you, um, but that wing doesn't happen unless we continue to, to step up and serve in the way that God has called us uh, to serve and love those kids. Next, you got in there, you got small groups. Um, you can be a leader. You can be a host. Um, every small group needs a good baker, so you can and bake some goodies. If that's uh, your gifting, that's totally awesome. Uh, you can use uh, for care. You can cook for new moms. We're always having, we have three people having babies in the next like eight days. Uh, we put up, I'm not kidding. Um, we put, I told you we had a lot of kids around here. Um, we put up meal trains to provide for them and care for them. Uh, hospital visits. If you're just a really tender-hearted, uh, kind, loving soul who loves to do that, and we have opportunities for you uh, to jump in. You can jump in on our tech team back there. Jump in here, buildings and grounds. Um, it's a large facility. If you love picking weeds, Got a lot of jobs for you out there, just saying. Uh, but, but why am I saying this? There's an opportunity for us to walk in maturity that Christ has called us to. And many of you already serve, and that's awesome. And I'm so grateful that we have a church who really is bought into this. But, but I want to explain our next steps process to you in this way, because it's not just for us to fill a program. It's for us to help you walk in the maturity and service that Jesus has called you to walk in that you would be uh, a member who, who gives. And this is what Paul is actually going to say in verse uh, 12 here. He says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He's, he's defining us as the body, and he said each one of us is making up the body. And he's going to go on to say, basically, um, if the knee is going to say, I have no need for you because... Uh, to the toe, I have no need for you because you're a toe. Well, the knee is going to be in trouble. It's going to become out of balance and how each part really needs itself to become complete. So essentially what he's saying is we all have to be doing our part for the body to be mature. We can be mature individually, but as a mature body, we each have to do our part. And he um, is going to go on later to to say this, and that's our, excuse me, he's going to say this in the book of Ephesians, which is what we read uh, last week, which is this. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, our health as a church is really defined by this. Are we walking in godliness? Are we serving in love? And are there no sideliners? We get in the game. And maybe for you, that's not here at church. Maybe there's another environment for that. That's awesome. There's a place for you to serve, but um, it, it is in the nature of our Savior to do that. Somebody posed this question to me once, and it kind of sucker punched me in the face. So don't be mad at me about this question. I didn't write it, um, so um, I won't tell you who did either, so you can't be mad at them. But here's the question that was posed to me a while back. It said this, if everyone in our church served as much as you, what would the church look like? If everyone in, in your community served the way you served your community, what would that community look like? You can turn this into your house. If everybody in your house served the way you served, what would it look like? And this is not a place for pride in which you go, man, if everybody served like me, we'd be on top of the world. No, it's not what we're talking about. It's just a moment of reflection saying, listen, if, if everybody gave with the same love and care and did their part, and we're not talking about equal gifting, but equal effort, we're going to give everything we have for the glory of God, what, what would it look like? 
No, I've heard, I can hear the opposition or the, the um, not the accusations. I can hear you arguing with me in your heads probably. That's what I meant to say. Uh, so I want to answer just one of them. Well, I don't know my gifting. Well, the Lord actually makes it quite easy to understand your gifting, but I want you to read what Paul says here in verse 31. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. He says, we, we should have a longing inside of our hearts to pursue the giftedness that God has for us. That should be a desire in our hearts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. He says, there's a giftedness that you haven't, seen yet. And he's going to go on in the next chapter to talk about that. And he's going to capture it in the end of chapter 13 with this phrase. But the greatest of these, meaning the gifts, is love. For, let's go to the next verse. Okay. The greatest of these is love. See, the greatest spiritual gift we can have is the gift of love. Not, not teaching, not communication, not serving in a particular ministry. It's love. Says the essence of everything we need to do is because we love each other. Just like my buddy Tim just loved cooking and loved us. He got up in joy and said, I'm going to do this. So, so where do you start? Well, before you start here, my request as your pastor is that you start in your home. That you'd be a servant in your home first and foremost. Um, because you can come here and you can put on a good show and then you can go home and your spouse can feel very differently about your service. And we don't, we don't want that. That's a disconnect that Jesus has not called us to. So we, we believe that your first act of service starts in your home. And so how can you begin to serve in your home in a way that maybe you aren't serving? One of my rules, um, it doesn't happen every single night. Sometimes I have tough days and the wife is understanding. But one of my personal rules is that if she's still standing, I should not be on the couch. She's not my slave. She's my wife. And so if she's still got stuff to do, I still got stuff to do. I can help her do dishes. I can Now, cooking, just... Nobody wants to eat my cooking, all right? But there's a lot of other things I can do to help serve. It's just, it's just who Christ has called us to be. I love that woman. I want to serve her. So maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's, I don't know who it is. How can you be, be known as a servant in your home? Next, I think it's equally important that you learn how to be a servant at work. Now, I don't mean being a slave to doing whatever your boss says because you don't have boundaries. I mean looking at your coworkers and saying, how can I make them win? Can I help them with a workload that maybe they're slammed under? I can help them out and then they can win because I'm not in this for my glory as a servant. I'm in them to serve them and to serve my boss and to make the mission move forward. See, there's a, there's a shift there of, all right, I'm not here to, to get to the front. I'm here to help us win. That's a servant mentality at work. The third one is in your community. There's tons of opportunities to do this, uh, whether it's coaching, whether it's um, serving in, a, in an environment. We have a great opportunity coming up for you in October. Uh, don't just go to church, but be the church Sunday. Um, you can, yeah, it's going to be a good time. We will not be having our regular held services. Uh, instead, we're going to go into the community. Uh, we're trying to line up a bunch of projects um, that the community could use and be blessed by because we believe this is what Christ has called us to do as a church is to go serve in our uh, community. There's lots of ways that you can do this. And then finally at church. And we talked about this at length, but just being a servant to the body. It's not even about being a servant at Bridgewater. It's about being a servant to the body of Christ. How can I serve as God has wired me and designed me to do that? One of the greatest lessons I ever learned in leadership came from, uh, it was an international gathering. I used to work with an international Bible school. Many of you know this um, that trained missionaries all over the world. And the president and his wife uh, live in Montana, but they came to Taiwan to hold a conference for us and for all of Southeast Asia. And 
Oh, it was just incredible. They're just so, so smart. They have multiple PhDs, just brilliant, brilliant people. Um, and as I was listening to them talk, I, I can tell you now, I don't remember a single thing they said other than it was incredible. Uh, but when the, the conference concluded, um, I was in charge of cleaning up, and so I kind of held the team or helped the team get ready to clean up. And most people kind of cleaned and then scattered. You know, the like I moved two things and then I ran out, but I can say I helped clean up that kind of thing. And so there was about three of us left cleaning up, and I said, "Man, I've, I've done my due diligence. It was a tiring and long weekend." And uh, so I went to go put something down into the basement, and there was a couple other classrooms down there. When I go down to the basement, what I find is the president and his wife mopping our basement classroom floors. It's two hours after the conference is over, and they're down there by themselves, going to catch a plane in a few hours, mopping our floors. And I, I kind of walked up to them sheepishly and a little bit ashamed and said, you don't have to do that. <laughs> and they said, you'd take the joy away from us to serve you guys? We love what you guys are doing. It's our joy to serve you. And then I stood there and dropped my head and then said thank you and then walked away with the greatest leadership lesson I've ever learned. No degree, no time served, no experience excludes anyone from mopping the floor. And it's shaped my leadership, and I hope it is, continue and will continue to shape my leadership, because what I saw in them is what was modeled in Jesus. See, see Jesus, as we said, came to serve. He came uh, out of heaven for you and I to give not just the, the dirty job of mopping the floor, but to give his very life. And in doing that act of service, he paved the way for you and I to be in right relationship with Jesus. I want to read Mark to you again, and I want us to spend some time thinking about it. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus, didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're going to celebrate communion today. And um, one of the beautiful things about communion is that it serves as this reminder that we have a God who's paved the way and is doing or has already done everything he would ever ask us to do, to live a life of love, to live a life of sacrifice, to, to live a life of service. And, and in that service, he made the way for us to find relationship with God. And it, it, it then encourages us to live our lives in a way of service, that maybe we could go serve somebody this week who through our service finds their way to Jesus. Through the way we love them, through the way we cared for them, they too would find Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We love you, Lord, and we're so grateful that you have given us a church to be a part of, and you've given us a body full of people who love you and uh, want to serve you and make, make much of your name. Lord, I pray for each individual as we continue to pursue the giftings and callings that you have in our life to, um, to honor you with our words and actions. God, I pray that as we go home, Lord, that, that we would be servants in our house. At every age and every level, we would understand what it means to follow Jesus um, through service. Lord, I, I thank you for our kids' ministry workers and for every volunteer that serves here so faithfully, God. It, it is so incredible to be a part of a church of people that, are, that is full of people on mission for your name and for your glory. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.